Hi, everyone. It's Jen Newell. And on this week's episode of The Leadership Habit, we are talking about resilience, a topic that's so incredibly important as we know that around the world, people are experiencing layoffs. They're experiencing great new transitions, but also some really difficult ones. And you're also seeing that people are struggling with resilience in a way that they haven't been before. And that's why we were so excited to have Dr. Pelletier on the podcast to talk about her newest book, The Resilience Plan. Let me tell you a little bit more about MH. Throughout her career in business, she has an MBA and psychology, a PhD. Dr. Pelletier has spearheaded an international dialogue and the importance of leadership resilience and workplace health as a key pillar of overall health. She is a bilingual practicing psychologist with over 20 years of experience in clinical psychology and advisory workplace psychology. Marie-Helene is a member of the Global Clinical Practice Network of the World Health Organization. She has presented, authored, and co-authored a number of industry and academic publications and has won numerous academic and industry awards. And I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation as we talk about how to build your resilience plan. Welcome, 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 MH. That's what we're going to call you today for the show, or that's what you do go through. You you get called MH. That's not Jendual suit or shortening your name. Is that right? It <laughs> is. Yes, this is how people call me. And MH also works for mental health. So as a psychologist, it's perfectly fitting. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. We're going to have a great conversation on mental health and resilience today, a topic that is so incredibly important. It's so needed. It's so timely. And I think that a lot of people are going through it. And so I'm hopeful that today's conversation will leave people feeling inspired and empowered of how to navigate these challenging conversations or situations that they're in. Um, But before we dive in, I always start with an origin story because I love to just have you introduce yourself to our audience. So MH, tell us a little bit more about you and what you do and what inspired you to write your newest book, The Resilience Plan. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for for asking. A bit of history. My initial training was as as a psychologist. And then as such, I ended up working in a very remote, northern, small town because my husband is in mining. And so that was my early career, which led me to observe 20 years ago how if you're in a remote area, you don't have access to the quality of services that you may have in a large center. And so I actually did research 20 years ago on telehealth using technology like Zoom, which did not exist at the time, to provide services to people who who were in remote areas. Now, to do this type of research at the time, you needed a lot of funding because internet was not fast enough to transmit the video, all kinds of things, which meant I had to manage a lot of people and a lot of money during my doctoral research, which then led me to realize I enjoyed it. So I did an MBA to also learn about management. So Then I had psychology and business, and I worked in uh, different leadership roles, junior, middle management, and then eventually in the C-suite in various types of organizations. And then in the past few years, I've been in my own business, doing speaking, coaching, and still having a small psychology practice. And in 
all these areas, I work mostly with professionals and leaders who are all extremely resourceful, resilient, efficacious, type A's, you know, all that. Yeah. And then in my work, at some point, I had to convince people that, yes, they needed to invest in their resilience. And it's through some of these conversations, linking co uh, content from psychology and from business, that the idea of writing this book um, emerged. So that's how it happened. I love the story. Well, and no matter where you sit, no matter where you are around the world or what chair you are in, you likely are someone that needs to read a book to gain the tools and access to the knowledge for resilience. Who who is this book for? Like if you could if you could watch someone, you know, thinking about what book to get, who is the person that you wish would click yes on their Kindle or just walk away and buy it? Who is that book for? Yes, yes, it's it's a great question and one that I learned you want to ask yourself uh, as you're writing a book, right? Who are you writing it for? Um, and in fact, this book is going to be in business sections of uh, bookstores um, because it is designed for business professionals. So uh, all kinds of professionals, all kinds of leaders, but it is a work-based um, approach to resilience, even though it does include our personal life as well. And so I wrote it for all these types of audiences I work with, which are generally professionals and leaders of all levels, early middle, late career, um, because they are so capable and so fabulous in a number of ways that they at times will, I say they, it includes me, probably includes you, Jen, as well. We tend to assume that, yes, we are resilient, and therefore, we do not need to do anything about it. And, and at some point, we start feeling it, and we're like, oh, okay, I think I need something to give me an edge, right? And we start looking at all these recommendations, exercise, all these things, and we, yes, we would love to implement all this. We don't have time. It just doesn't, it's not working. So what the book does is it, number one, Needs, we need to shift how our thinking about this. We do need to take action. And number two, it's not just looking at millions of action items and recipes and lists. It needs to fit our current context. Hence, the need to be strategic about it. Yes. Well, because otherwise no one does it. But I think it comes back down to self-awareness. I thought I had read a stat recently that the majority of people think that they are more resilient than they actually are. And I'm not sure if you've seen, I'm sure you've seen that in your research, but I thought that was incredibly interesting because people don't realize the areas that they're actually either subconsciously keeping themselves stuck or doing the things that they shouldn't be doing. And today I, I even had a class yesterday and we opened a little bit and it was a class on, you know, overwhelm, but so many people were coming there with, you know, I've recently went through a divorce. I recently, you know, lost my job. I need to find a new job because I'm in a toxic work environment. I insert the list. Like I lost a clear, like a close friend or a loved one. People are going through it right now. And they're the type A's who are still trying to push it down and say, okay, I can figure this out. And I, why haven't people talked about resilience? Because it, why haven't we talked about it until relatively recently? When right. I think it's like one of the biggest challenges that we've all have. Like, why do you think it's more of a conversation today? 
Uh, and you bring a number of really good points. Like going back to your earlier comment, and I'll come back to this in a second. But yes, we tend to assume we are resilient. The other thing too is that often people have been told they are. You know, been told you're the rock, Jen. You're our rock, rock of the team, rock of the family. And so you get to a point where you're like, yes, <laughs> this is who I am. And therefore, I don't need to do anything about resilience. So that's one piece. Love also the examples you're giving um, that people, are, yes, are going through a number of, and I call them uh, in general and in the book, demands. So whether it's a new promotion that you've wanted, so it's positive, it's a demand. You're going through a change in your relationship. You're going through a divorce. Maybe you wanted that, maybe you didn't, but it will be a demand as well. And so when we're thinking about our overall resilience, we want to look at all the demands we're facing. And in the past few years, we've all continued to have our individual demands and are part of life, which at times as life goes on, we all tend to have more demands with life. And therefore, that also takes a toll. And in the past few years, and it continues today, there are what I call chronic demands that are part of the world. The pandemic was one example. There are other things going on that weigh on us, either more directly, more indirectly at times, but they're going on and contribute. They go on the list, right? So therefore, and then there are economic situations that will mean that many people's employers are going through a lot of uncertainty, a lot of changes, that adds to it as well. And so at some point, yes, we will feel it even more, which makes this topic even more important. In fact, a skill that um, many organizations see as the one skill we'll need moving forward. Yeah. Well, because how life is getting more complicated it's more confusing, I think. I was listening to something on the podcast talking about how, again, we're constantly hit with these triggers that put us into fight or flight and we don't realize it because they're not real threats. Like technology can recreate a lot of things that aren't there. But, you know, if I go back historically within within workplaces, it, you know, many organizations have adopted the philosophy, personal time, personal dime. What business does resilience have in the workplace? To the people that might think, well, these sound like the demands that people should be dealing with outside because what what business? I mean, and I'm saying this because I'm going to agree with what you're going to say because I know it has a place there. But to the people that might still think, does this have a place in the workplace? Tell me a little bit more about why organizations really need to be caring about this today. Yes, yes. And it is a valid point because sometimes in the in the mix of all the Care, all the areas we need to pay attention to in our workplaces, because we're there to do a job, whether it's mm -hmm. operational or whatever it is, there are already, there's already a very long list there. So why add resilience, really? It is going to influence everything, right? Our resilience is our ability to go through adversity and grow from it, come out even stronger. And so as we are uh, facing demands that at times, again, we welcome and we're excited about, or at times we would rather not have them, but we have them. They're basically more demands, more adversity in some ways. And so the more we enter, navigate, sustain a high level of resilience, 
the better we'll be able to navigate all these demands over time, meet these demands with even more success, bring our best to what we do, and also enjoy it and maintain good health so that when we leave, we can also enjoy our personal personal life outside. Yes, actually have a life that we feel we have energy to go home to. Maybe it might be fitting to then kind of start our conversation as we go through your book as a baseline definition of what, what does resilience even mean to you? How do you write about resilience or what's the, how do you define it? Yes, yes. And there are many definitions of resilience. The one that I mostly work with is just this one, to our ability to go through adversity and come out even stronger. So if we're going to increase our ability to go through adversity, come out even stronger, then we need to build as much of this buffer, if we can call it, so that we enter it with the highest level of baseline as we can. And back to your other point earlier of being self-aware, paying attention to how it's going, such that if we see it come, come down, we can pick it up early, ideally proactively, to do all the things that will allow us to come back up. And an important element to this is that we don't want to assume that it is entirely in our hands. Like, if I do all the things, then I will be immune to everything. Right. No, not true. All this will do is increase your resilience as high as we possibly can. We have to keep in mind that even if it is the highest it possibly can be in an environment that brings a level of demands that is impossible to meet, the, the imbalance will still be there. But with the highest level of resilience possible, we'll be able to make decisions, maybe protect ourselves even more, maybe see if we can influence this, maybe make a decision not to stay. So it varies. Um, but it is a better place to be in so that we can manage this situation. Yeah. And I like even just thinking about the expectations of life, the expectations of what a workplace looks like. I know that I bought into it at some point thinking that work life is going to be so easy, so blank. I never thought that about home like that I knew was going to be its own thing. But work life and I think I noticed this even among, you know, students that we have or friends that. Somewhere along the way, we picked up a really inaccurate expectation of what life is and that life is always on this upswing of like highs, highs. I'm doing whatever I can. So I'm always going to be there and nothing bad is going to happen. Do you see that in your work where people kind of have an unrealistic expectation? Like maybe it's the social media that says, well, they look like they're happy all the time. Why am I not happy all the time? Where do you think we create these false expectations that life is easy? Yes. Well, and. I think some of that we learn in time. You know, if you and I speak to anyone who's been in their uh, work life for 15, 20 years, they've probably let go of this now because they've seen the reality of it. But there is a phase where we're maybe thinking it could be all fantastic. And, and then we often learn it the hard way. Part of where this book is going is in university uh, and bookstores and career centers so that hopefully we can catch early professionals and emerging leaders as early as possible, just so they have a realistic perspective, right? Because the sooner, a lot of people I've worked with have said this, oh my God, this is such a big 
positive change. I wish I knew this earlier, right? And so um, that's in part where it's going to go because yes, we. the reason why these expectations are there, sometimes we've heard them from others around us. Sometimes it's societal, uh, could be social media as well, but it could also be just in some ways adult development stages where when we are say in uh, in our education, the ed- education phase of our work uh, or our professional life, there, we actually have more control. If you do all the studying, if you do all the work, if you do all these things, you've got more of the control over the outcome than not, right? Not 100% of it. You can still have a teacher or an instructor that rates in a weird way, whatever. But most of the time here, you have a fair bit of control. And that's what a lot of my professionals and leaders share. They say, if only this here, the workplace, was like in my training. There, I realized I could just make things happen. Whereas here, a lot of it is outside of my hands, going in all kinds of directions that I wish was different. So it's a very different context as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're putting it into university bookstores because I think it's, I mean, there. I thought I read a stat even that Gen Z is the lowest in terms of resilience, like that they just have the lowest ability to cope right now. And we need to hit them. They need to hear it now and have the tools to be able to navigate it. Hi everyone, it's Jen, and I'm just coming to you because we need your help. Presscom International, the organization that hosts the Leadership Habit podcast that I proudly work for, is looking to expand their network of people that are committed to creating more ethical, engaging, and human leaders. Now, how is that relevant to you? Well, we're looking for referrals. Do you know someone that is interested in giving back and being an entrepreneur and owning their own business? or that wants to make a difference and is passionate about leadership development? Well, I'm excited to share with you that Crestcom has just launched a referral program. If you know someone, maybe it's a past mentor or a boss that's interested in making a career change and wanting to leverage the knowledge and their experience in the classroom, send them our way. We have this new program and here's the scoop. We've designed an easy to use referral form available on crestcom.com forward slash referrals. And you can visit the site submit your referrals and access all of the rules along with required terms and conditions. Here's the sweet spot of this. If you refer a successful candidate, we'll give you $2,500. Now we want to expand and make our mission even greater, but we can't do that without your help. So if you know someone that would be interested in becoming a franchisee for an amazing leadership development organization that wants to get into the classroom and make a difference, head on over to crestcom.com forward slash referrals today and help us impact your workplaces and the leaders that you work with. Here's the only caveat. Please note that this program is currently open to applicants based in the United States only. Maybe it might be helpful to like walk through some examples of where people really might be lacking or struggling with resilience when it comes to the workplace. Where do you see people really kind of not having the right resilience or not having their peak resilience or maybe succumbing to a challenge? Yes. One of the ways I see it happen often, and it comes from what we were saying earlier, the assumption that we are uh, the rock. Very capable, very efficacious. We can say yes to even more and it will all work out kind of thing, right? So it comes from that mindset is there. And then additional demands happen. 
usually from both the workplace and our personal lives. They tend to happen this way. They happen all at the same time. And then the person here continuing to make the assumption that I can do anything. I am that rock. So they work to meet all the demands over here, all the demands over here. They start feeling it. They start having signs that their resilience is not staying as solid as it used to be. They ignore them because they say to themselves, I can do this. I am the rock. So they keep going. They ignore the signs. They put their head down and get whatever needs to get done. They get done. They, of course, by then are absolutely not the doing the care part of self-care. That is not happening. <laughs> Zero, because they say, I don't have time. And I'm here to take care of others because I am the rock again. And so at some point, they end up in my office and, and they say, okay, I don't know what's wrong with me. I used to be able to handle everything right now. I am feeling levels of anxiety I've never experienced or whatever else they're experiencing, burn out different things. And they're like, I, what's wrong with me? Like nothing has changed. I just deal with the things like I used to deal with the things. Right. Yeah. The things so have added. Yeah. Well, and I can, I feel like I've heard that statement in so many ways. I used to be able to deal with this. Why can I not do it anymore? Yeah. <laughs> but you even talked about signs. What are signs that you're like from where you see it? What are some of the signs that you notice that we're getting closer to burnout or we're getting closer to that point where your resilience reservoir is not built up? Yes. And here's the other funny, interesting thing about this. I will give you the sign and you will be like, oh, I know these signs. The problem is not knowing the signs, is that we, again, very much so in that role of I can do everything, we minimize them or ignore them. So signs like problem with your, with your sleep. You used to be able to do your seven, eight hours. Right now it's like five. Okay. Then signs like trouble with concentrating. You used to be able to read something, it sinks in and you move on. Right now you're reading it. You do you don't even know what you just read. You have to reread it and reread it like three times. That's a sign your concentration's going down. Or signs like your ability to make decisions. Either you used to take time to make your decision, now you're just saying, oh, whatever. Or you used to make decisions fairly quickly and now you're like, oh, I don't know. These are signs. Signs like being more impatient. And often people will say, oh, at work, I'm still my very patient self. And then I ask, how about personal life? And then they'll realize they yelled at someone they love and they don't want to yell to, or they were very rough with the person at the coffee shop for zero reason. Or another sign, um, feeling nothing. So they'll come and they'll say, you know, I think I'm actually fairly Zen because very demanding things are going on. I'm here. Very frustrating things are going on. I'm here. And then I say, how about things that used to bring you joy? And then they realize they're still here, flat. Yeah. So not feeling anything is another sign. And so we know the signs, right? You've heard them. We've heard them in the pandemic. People were talking about them. Part of what we really need to pay attention to is two things, the frequency and the severity. So if it's happening just once, didn't sleep well, you have an interesting life. It's just it. But if it's happening night after night, if it's impacting your functioning, 
you, you used to be able to make meetings on time, to be fairly sharp in how you contribute and everything. And now you're like, oh, in a fog. These are th signs that you now really want to pay attention to, not brush off as, oh, it's normal. I'm doing so much right now. Mm, you are doing so much right now, and it's probably getting to you a bit. You may want to pay attention. Oh my God. I loved everything that you just shared. And if you're sitting there, you even called it out. Like these are going to sound obvious to you, but how self-aware are you really at recognizing whether this is a problem? How much you gave some great questions to even ask, you know, if you're feeling like everything's fine and all the demands are there, where's your joy? Like even that self-reflection, which you might not be doing, so you still don't know. So, but if you did a beautiful setup and like, I can see so many people in that in that struggle, how do they get out of it? So now coming into the resilience plan. So how, how do they move forward to actually start to build that resilience? Exactly. Um, so what I'm saying is, okay, so we know what to do. We're not managing to do it. What needs to shift is to really take your context into account in creating a plan that corresponds to your context. And the analogy here is, you know, in business and anyone who's either um, an entrepreneur or who has launched a new product or a new service will recognize this. But even if you haven't, it will make sense to you. If you are launching a new product or service or a new uh, a venture, you don't just have an idea and say, okay, good, I'm doing it. You have an idea and then you say, okay. And if you don't say that to yourself, doing a business plan will force you to look at these other aspects. You're going to say, okay, who else is offering this exact thing or something similar? Who is buying this thing? How much are they willing to pay for it? What forces in the market or the trends coming in the future will influence the likelihood that someone will actually want this or not want this, right? You're looking at all this. And then you may look at in which values do we go add it with in this market? Which values do we claim as ours as a company? What is our vision? What sources of supply demand are influencing the whole thing? We're, we will do a SWOT analysis, analyzing the internal and external um, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. We'll do all this. So what I'm saying is, okay, so we need to do the same thing here for our individual situation. Not complex, but the point is we disregard context and that's in part why we can't implement all this list because it doesn't fit. Okay. So if we want it to fit, then we want to take steps to clarify for ourselves. And in the book, I've got exercises that are all brief. Usually they're one to five minutes because I know no one has time. And this is a concise book. You can read it on a long flight, come out with your plan for real. But the idea is to, yes, take a moment to actually clarify for your steps, for yourself, your, as a first step, your values. Okay, we all have a sense of what some of them are, but let's take a moment to just get this out. And your listeners who have done coaching work or self-awareness type work, you know what these are. Great. If you don't, that's probably something to start with. Then I walk people through looking at what forces the demands that they're facing, both the positive ones they want and the negative ones they don't want, but all the demands, both from work and personal life that are right now in their life. Okay, 
So we have to take the full picture. Sometimes people will just think about the work demands or the negative ones, ignoring that they got married, they're going on a trip, they're actually getting married twice because both families live in different countries. It's all wonderful, but hello, <laughs> it's a lot of demands yeah. here. <laughs> so we want to be realistic on this as well as supplies. And then we do the work on your realistic context. Because it's way better after we've done all this, we can create a plan. I can say more about this too. But what it leads to is a much stronger position of being able to commit to one action that is small enough that I know I can get started in the next two days, then much better this than a list of 10 things that would be great, but none of them will happen because they're too big for my schedule. Right. Well, and they build this self-awareness, which I think is the... I don't think people can even, this is my own perspective, I don't think that people can invest in meditation in the way that they need to, or breath work, or diet and exercise, and all the benefits that I know they have, until they have the self-awareness. And you don't have the self-awareness until you take the small actions. Because I personally think that until you're ready to receive it and ready to do meditation, you think meditation is some fluff thing that has no business in your life because you don't have the self-awareness to understand why that is so essential to what you're going through. And I, I love that it's small and actionable. What might be, let's say, I mean, I could, let's say someone maybe thinking about someone that might be struggling to, um, they just got laid off at their job. How might they be able to start to apply this knowing they have a little bit more downtime, but then they likely have the chatter of, I'm not good enough. I just got let out of this job. How might they be able to use this to set them up for success and going into that interview to be to be as confident as they can be? Because I imagine, you know, when layoffs happen, it's hard to go in on the face of that. How might they be able to use this? Yes. And I, I love that you brought this question because as you and I know, we don't start our careers even thinking that we would ever be laid off mm -hmm. because, again, we are fabulous, actually. <laughs> and that's one of the things we learn along the way that, exactly, you're still fabulous and layoffs happen. So it's part of a career. It can happen. It does happen. It says changes nothing about who you are as a professional or not. You are the same person as you were two weeks ago. It's just that it is one of the things that happens. So I'm, I love that you took this example. So each person's, again, that's the essence of the, 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 the book here, each person's context will be different. But I will invent a scenario where someone uh, would be uh, in that situation. So let's say they've never been laid off. They're laid off for the first time. And that came a bit as a surprise. Um, sometimes we sort of see the sign, but don't really believe it could happen. Mm -hmm. And then it does. Okay, so now we're here. And we're saying... Yeah, let's optimize this. So then you would, yes, start with reconnecting with your values, what's most important for you in life. Because if we're going to take that next career step chapter here, might as well align it with your values. So we would start with this. I would look at, yeah, sources of supply and demand. And one of the sources of demands in this context is my own mindset that's a bit spiraling down. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling less confident in my competency given this context, for example. That may be one of the source of demands. Source of supply, well, now I have supply of time, at least. 
So I can actually go for an hour walk, assuming I have the right shoes and that I've built gradually, I can actually go for, go for that walk now. And yes, that should be part of what we do. Then I would look at my overall context. What are all the forces is, and literally all the forces, one of them maybe I have to pay bills. So right. I need to create my financial plan given the current situation. When do I need to open my net wider to more junior roles just to navigate this transition. So you're making a plan that is very realistic here. And then that would lead to a strategy. And in this particular situation, um, often I recommend uh, for a strategy that will identify three main pillars, for example, so three main directions that will be filled with doable actions, tactics, right? So in this situation, you might have one pillar that is about nourishing my growth mindset. Okay, where I know right now this can get at me because I've valued myself based on the roles I had, the organization I worked with, the type of people I got to work with, the type of clients I was able to work with. Now I'm feeling it. So one of my pillars is going to be my growth mindset. Okay. And maybe another pillar will be my self-care. I've let it go a lot recently, especially as it was leading towards this. That's now coming strong. And maybe another one will be, I'm just inventing, but my relationships. I've had great friends, some of which are all over the world, and I'm not in touch with them. And that is now a big pillar because we know from research, it's very important. I realize I've let it go. I won't ever again, maybe. And now it's a pillar. And see, that's how this particular strategic plan may look like. I love that. Well, and I love even just if you're that individual, and that was an intentional question because we know that a lot of people are going through it right now, so you are not alone. And so thank you so much, um, MH, for even walking them through how they can look at that. But the growth mindset, huge in terms of seeing your possibility. But then, of course, reconnecting. I think people forget like, it's so easy to bury your head in a cell phone and forget that you need human contact, I think, when you're really going through it. And I love that you just happen to use that as a pillar because I think people, you need people. Well, this has been a great conversation, and I know that we have to start wrapping up. And so I wanted to ask, what are some final remarks that you would like to share with our audience? I would say we want to keep in mind that, yes, you are fabulous. And you're not a rock. You're a human. And therefore, there are there is actually one piece that most people will like is that there is a lot of control to be gained by taking a deliberate strategic action plan for our resilience. And so that's the angle. We want to make sure that we are in the proactive uh, side of things and taking action. And we want to do it from a strategic perspective. And all we need is to stay curious about what that looks like and know that we will need to be agile. In other words, we hear a lot, but it's true with this plan. Just like a strategic plan in a business is not set forever, it gets reviewed, it evolves over time. Same thing, your strategic resilience plan will evolve over time. And I've seen it with people I've worked with before who happen to be in two keynotes. <laughs> so over four months, that's actually very interesting. But that's what they noticed. It evolves over time. And then you're, number one, celebrating everything that you've accomplished and then turning to, okay, what's the next phase for me? 
So we want to stay curious and remind ourselves we do have that control and opportunity for us to take to be strategic. Yes. Stay curious because every single time you take a new risk, like take on a new job or promotion, go to a new company, move to a new city, you might need that resilience plan again because those transitions are hard. And I just love that you said that because I, you know, very quickly you might feel on top of the world. And then all of a sudden you're like, how did I get pushed out? How did that happen? <laughs> I mean, just a what tell our audience a little bit about how they can get in touch with you when the book drops, they can pre-order it now. Tell me more. Yes. So website, very easy, theresilienceplan.com. You'll get to everything I've ever done, including the book. And yes, it is on pre-order. It comes out February 6th, 2024. And you can pre-order it now from your favorite local bookstore or wherever you buy books. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much, MH. I've loved our conversation. I know that people can likely create their own resilience plan after this. So I love that. And I look forward to hearing more about it when that actually launches, because I know how many lives you're going to impact. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with MH. You can go and pre-order that book, The Resilience Plan at theresilienceplan.com. I really, truly hope that you do because in my world, coaching leaders, I hear it and I see it. So many people are struggling. And so do yourself a favor, invest in yourself, give yourself the time to create a better future. And of course, if we're talking about future and you're thinking about how can I develop myself to be ready for the challenges that lie ahead, head on over to crosscom.com. We would love the opportunity to share with you our leadership classes, our courses, the experience and tools and insights that we can give you to set you up for success in the long run. Head on over to crosscom.com and there you can request a two hour complimentary leadership skills workshop to help you and your team work better together. And of course, if you know someone that would benefit from hearing MH's message today, share this podcast. And don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Thank you so much. Until next time.